Welcome to Mind Meets Body and Soul, a podcast that connects the dots between clinical mental health and spiritual holistic wellness. I'm Heather, a licensed clinical social worker and mental health guru. And I'm Devin, a Reiki master, spiritual teacher, and lover of all things woo-woo. We're here to discuss various wellness topics, highlighting the connection between the mind, body, and soul. We'll be offering nuggets of wisdom from each of our fields with the ultimate goal of bridging the gap between our two worlds. Whether you lean more into cognitive psychology or flow with the woo-woo waters, our intention is to help you prioritize yourself and unlock a fresh perspective to healing, growth, and expansion. We're so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 28 of My Meets Body and Soul. Devin here reporting live from Morris Plains, New Jersey. We are officially back and settling in, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Heather. How's it going? Hi, Devin. It's good. It's going well. Welcome back to the Dirty Jers. <laughs> we are full swing in sweater weather. I see you have your sweater. I've got my cardigan on. I'm not too happy about it right now, but I see Tortellini like peeking through in the background too. Yep. Sweater weather is here. All things fall, pumpkins, everything. So uh, I don't mind it. I'm chilly, but I like fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's to embracing a new season and the inevitable change that comes with that. You are going to be leading today's conversation. Last week, we talked about all things rejection, being redirection and trusting that everything that we seek is unfolding for us in ways that sometimes we can't imagine. And so this week we are turning the conversation into a different direction. Do you want to just take it from here? Sure. So um, I don't know if it was last week or the week before I was doing some Q&A stuff on my Instagram and I got an interesting question that then led me to writing a blog post. And then I've been noticing themes of this conversation in a lot of my sessions. So I pulled up the question. It said, how do different love languages show their love for their partners? Which really made me think, I mean, love languages have been around for my entire existence as a therapist. It's always been a topic of conversation that I've been having. But I just thought it would be something that we could bring in here. I notice that it kind of ebbs and flows in my conversations with couples, but I think it's an important thing to understand. I have a lot of different feelings about the love languages, and I thought we could kind of just like unpack some of them here. I'd love to hear your perspective and kind of just like dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, that sounds great. Always love a conversation on anything related to love. And I think that this is an important one too, as you know, our listeners just get to know or get to hear the different love languages and, you know, hopefully get to identify with and also listening because I have some thoughts and feelings about love languages as well. So as always, I'm excited to offer our perspective on it to kind of connect the dots between your world and parts of my world. So let's do it. So for those who are new to love languages or just need a refresher, I have a deep dive into this on my website in my blogs. So head there if you want to learn any more about it. But I'll quickly go through. There's five different love languages. I'll go through them quickly and then we can kind of get into it. So in no particular order, 
The five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, gift giving, and acts of service. They're fairly self-explanatory, but words of affirmation is expressing our appreciation, our gratitude, our love for a person through spoken word, written word, cards, text messages, notes, but also just like expressing and saying that we appreciate, that we acknowledge, that we see a person. Next one is quality time. So this is spending intentional time with one another. This is whether it's like having no phones and enjoying a movie together or dinner. It's just spending like intentional time with that person with no distractions, with nothing else going on. It's it's really about the quality of the time in this one, obviously, hence quality time. I always say it's quality time, not quantity time. So it's not the <laughs> amount of time that you're spending together, but how connected you feel to that person. The next one is physical touch. So this, a lot of people jump right to thinking that this is like being physically intimate or having sex with someone, but this can also be holding hands while you're driving in the car or giving someone a hug when they come home after work, or it's just putting your hand on their shoulder. It's, it's feeling connected physically to that person, not just in like an intimate type of way. Then there's gift giving. This one's one of mine. So gift giving, I think also is often misunderstood in that it's not about um, how expensive a gift is or how luxurious a gift is, but rather the thoughtfulness behind a gift. A gift can be like repurposing something or creating something for someone. It's not just like a gift that I purchased at the store. A lot of times it's the thought behind the gift that matters with this love language. And then last but certainly not least is acts of service. So this is where we're doing something thoughtful. We're doing something kind, whether it's taking out the trash or running to the grocery store, walking the dog, like doing something to show or help out our partner. Hmm. Brief but brilliant. Such a great like summary of that. I highly recommend. We'll include the link to write to your um, your blog post. Cool. Well, thank you for doing that breakdown, Heather. I remember the first time that I really came across this concept of love languages was probably in like quarantine time. It was like the beginning of my exploration of all things like mental health, well-being, spirituality. And I remember coming across an, either an article or like within a book on love languages. And I thought that that was so interesting seeing the breakdown of each, or maybe I even took a quiz to find out there, like what my love language was. And what's interesting, like, and I would love to hear your perspective on this. Like, do you think that our love language language develops or changes or evolves over time or like from relationship to relationship? Or do you find overall, like, is the, the concept of it, like it stays pretty still? That's an interesting question, and I don't know what the like research would say, but I think in my experience, it might differ in different types of relationships. Like I feel like I also wait, so I also think it might be consistent. Like I know gift giving is how I show people love. I'm always, even in terms of like marketing for my business, like sending people gifts and little things as like a way that I show appreciation. So I think in how we demonstrate love, it might be more consistent, but like I like to get gifts in partner relationships, but I don't really feel like I need them from friendships. So I wonder if it does differ from relationship to relationship, 
versus like being a constant. What do you think? Yeah, or even changing over time. And the reason why I ask this is because I feel like at the time that I first discovered love languages, it was clear to me that my love language was words of affirmation. Like it's really important to hear from a partner, you know, from somebody that I'm interested in, those words of affirmation, like whether somebody really likes me, whether, you know, somebody like thinks that I'm, that I look beautiful or that I have this quality about me. Similarly, I think when thinking back then too, like about the way that I give out love was a little bit different than the way that I received love, but that's how I saw my love language in terms of receiving love to be. And yet now, three years later, and having gone through like quite a journey of just like self-awareness and self-growth and self-healing, I find that my love language, the way that I choose to receive or the way that I'm, I feel more inclined to receive is not actually words of affirmation and it's more along the lines of quality time. So that's why I ask that because I found in my own personal experience, I feel like there was a shift. You mentioned that like the way that you give or show love to others is through gift giving. What about your way of receiving or your like kind of preference for receiving? What has yours been? Yeah, I think that's where like in relationships, I like to get gifts because I think the gift, like not that I need all these gifts all the time, but I think a gift to me represents that you are thinking about me. If you were to come home and say like, oh my gosh, I saw this at the store and it just like spoke to me, it it makes me know that I'm on your mind and that you're thinking about me. So that's where I think gift giving in relationships is my love language, but I don't know that I necessarily need it in other relationships. But it's also interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking, I wonder if our level of like wellness or where we are in our healing journey also impacts our love languages. Like I feel like the more we get to know ourselves and the more uh, confident we become, we probably don't need those words of affirmation. Like you saying, like you kind of like shed that. You don't need it as much if it's coming from within. Mm. So if you are affirming and validating yourself, there's no, um, not that there's no need, but it's just, it might not be as impactful to hear it from someone else. Cause you're like, I know, like I'm, <laughs> I, I recognize and appreciate myself too. And that's kind of like my, and I'm, I'm, I would love to hear your kind of like hold up with, with uh, love languages, because that's what I've been thinking about oftentimes, especially when it comes to this concept of love languages that like I would have said, hands down three years ago, love language in terms of receiving was words of affirmation. Like, tell me I'm pretty and tell me that you love me, <laughs> you know? And yes, of course, well, it feels really good to hear that. And I still, I find myself today, like it makes me feel seen and heard and appreciated not being in a romantic relationship, you know, but just like in general, like in the ways that I receive love from all all people. However, I feel like as I started diving more into my healing journey, I realized that the words of affirmation were more like a crutch. And it's almost mm. like I needed those words of affirmation or really that external validation to feel like I was enough, to feel like I was whole, to feel like I was, you know, where I was supposed to be. And so that's where I feel like there's kind of a fine line between, you know, how you choose or prefer 
to receive and to give and show love versus like what you're relying on to determine some kind of self-worth, belonging, et cetera. Yeah, which is kind of the holdup, like you said, that I've had with the love languages this whole time is that I'm I love them as a tool. I think that it's a great way and I'll include the link in the show notes. There's like an online quiz that you can take to figure out what your love languages are. You may just find some of them speak to you more than others and that's your answer too. But I I don't ever want this tool to be the end all be all in a relationship. Like I never want someone to say, okay, these are my love languages. Here you go. And like serve them to their partner and then expect or demand that that person show up for them in that way. Because not everyone has the same love languages and people come all the time in couples therapy and they're like, well, my love languages are different from my partners and are we doomed? And it's like, absolutely not. You're not it's a, it's totally fine and common to have different love languages, but you just want to work to understand what your partners are and show up for them, make an effort in your relationship. But I think sometimes people get a little competitive and they start like tallying or taking note of when their partner's doing things for them. It's not, that's not how this tool is intended to be used, nor is it, again, to just expect the other person to be like, okay, like like Nick's love language is not gift giving. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, he never gives me gifts. Sometimes I'm like, hey, like, okay, I could use a little love, but it's not, it shouldn't be used to like punish our partner. Yeah, that makes sense. I think like all things that we talk about, these tools and these resources, they're just that. They're not the be-all, end-all. And when treated like a tool, a resource amongst many others, then the emphasis on something like the love language to make or break a relationship, you know, then eases a little bit. Like we've talked about personality tests. We've talked about um, like communication styles or attachment styles or some of the the things that are determined like by our birth time and the placements like astrology and like human design, like all of these are simply just pieces to the puzzle, to the puzzle that makes up us in our like unique ways. So yes, I'm with you there. I think these this love language concept or topic is really important to have as we are aiding in our listeners, you know, and talking about our own journey of self-discovery and like figuring out like our preferences, maybe our partner or future partner's preferences as well. But this is by no means a make it or break it type thing. I think the other thing with this too is that like just as much as this tool helps me understand how I give and receive love, it's also important. Okay. So now I know I have this new knowledge. Let me open up a discussion with my partner but it's also important for me to educate them on my love languages and for me to learn theirs. So I also, in addition to wanting them to show up for me in the relationship, I have to then pay attention. Okay. I know that my partner's love language is acts of service. Even though I don't feel love in that way, I want to pay attention and know that when he's doing nice things or when they are doing these acts of service, that's them showing up for me. And I want to pay attention to that too. So it's not just about that person meeting my needs, but it's me being aware of the things that they're doing 
to show me love and I can appreciate that too. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking about, this is like kind of a sidestep, but I will tie it back in. You know, I was thinking earlier this morning, I was listening to the replay or I was listening to the ep- one of our past episodes and I was just thinking about how grateful I am to have this platform, to be having these conversations with you every single week and to have the ability to like listen back to us speaking, you know, sharing these stories, sharing these reflections and whatnot, because I feel like since we've started this podcast journey, I've just become so much more mindful more intentional. And I'm learning things about you too. Like we've talked about our relationship here and how like we've learned things about one another that then help us show up for each other, you know, on a different level. And I completely agree with you. Like I think the importance of having a conversation like this is to simply bring that awareness. And it's like that, oh yeah, this conversation has gotten me curious about the other people in my life, you know, like not just romantic partner, but how about my sister? How about my mom? How about this friend? And like, it's so easy for us to be very like egocentric in the way that we think that how we think, how we feel, how we give, how we receive is just like the standard, like the norm. Everybody's like that. So if I really value acts of service, then of course, this other person in my life is going to value acts of service. And I expect that same exchange of love from them. And yet what you just very beautifully said is that like this gives us the opportunity to be curious and to ask and to also notice when somebody is coming from their unique place, their unique unique preference or love language for us to then recognize that they are expressing or demonstrating love in a way that feels natural to them which might not be natural to us. And I think that's what you're saying, that like this tool allows us to be more mindful in paying attention to what other people are doing for us and then also show up in a more intentional way for others in our relationship. And that's the thing I like about the love languages is that the quiz that I have is an older printed out version. I don't know what the one online looks like, but I know that you can do it for... Um, a parent, like as a parent, you can fill it out or you can fill out the quiz from a partner relationship. I think they're probably pretty similar. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but this applies to other relationships other than just like partner relationships. This is sibling relationships. This is family relationships, friendships. There's all different types. I mean, I even feel like this could be a tool, not the end all be all, but a tool at work, you know, like in a different capacity, you're not going to have the same physical touch, of course, and all of the things. But I just think it's important to dive a little deeper into the relationship. And that's what I think this tool allows for. Absolutely. So what does this look like then, since this is something that has been coming up in recent sessions as well, like when you're working with a couple or when you're working with somebody on the topic of their relationships? Like how does that show up in sessions? A lot of what we've said so far, it's figuring out like, what is my love language? And then going home and having that person figure out with their partner what theirs is. And then they talk about it. It's figuring out like, okay, what can we do as a couple to continue to make sure that we're prioritizing or putting in effort here if that's what we feel like we both need? I think 
this opens up the conversation for a lot of couples on balance, on feeling like who's putting what into the relationship. I think there's a lot of different things that can come from this, but I the my favorite thing about this tool is that it just opens up communication. It's a fun little way for us to sit down, take this 30, 50 question, however many questions it is, quiz, and then let's just talk about it and see what comes up from that conversation. Yeah, beautiful. I think we've talked so many times about the hallmark of a strong relationship is communication, and it comes as no surprise too that that communication, that strong communication piece in relationships includes like how do you give and receive love? Like how do you prefer what makes you feel special, heard, understood? And so that makes sense to me. This I know that this conversation is probably a little bit more my lane, but how does this, like what's resonating with you in this conversation? Do you incorporate this type of stuff with your clients at all or in your work? Yeah, not not anything that I can think of specifically in terms of working with a client, but just to speak to this kind of practice of like getting clear on what our love language might be. I find that oftentimes it's easier for us to think of how we give or how we show up because it's easier oftentimes for us to be in a place of giving as opposed to a place of receiving. So I just want to note that some of our audience may be listening and they might may find that a challenging question to ask, well, how do I like to receive love? And that the reception of love is so much more challenging in many ways because again, we I've mentioned this before, where it's not really the norm for us to accept or receive love, right? Like oftentimes when we receive compliments, we deflect and we like change the subject or like we turn it back or we devalue whatever it is that we've just done that we've been receiving this compliment for. You've mentioned before that you don't like your birthday, like celebrating your birthday. Funny that your love language is gifts, gift giving, you know, (laughs) but some people, they really don't like to receive gifts, yet they're so ready and willing to give gifts out. And so from an energetic standpoint, I just think that if we find ourselves having a more difficult time identifying what our love language is on the receptive end, just notice that. And like maybe there is something to be said about the more challenging aspect of receiving love. Which makes me think then too that like it has to be possible that these can change because if it's uncomfortable for us to, if we're like not at a place where we can be celebrated or be complimented. That's not necessarily to say that that's not our love language. That's just to say that we're like not yet at that place. So it is interesting. I would be curious and there may already be research out there that I just didn't prep enough for this conversation, but I'd be curious to see like what, if there's ever been research done on like, okay, my love language before I start doing my healing work and then like through my healing journey if that evolves in any way, it kind of feels like it almost has to. Yeah. I mean, thinking about my own journey, I really think that I've evolved from words of affirmation being my love language to now more so quality time. Like it's really important the way that I would love to receive love and care from a romantic partner, from family, you know, with friends, whoever is just quality time spent together, whether that is sitting on the couch 
watching a TV show together or, you know, going for a hike, getting ice cream. That is really what I value the most, I think, in my ability to receive. And I know for a fact that it wasn't always the case for me, that I placed way more emphasis on words of affirmation. But you're so right, because over these past few years of learning how to validate myself internally, like I don't find myself relying on that external validation or those words of affirmation from other people. Like that doesn't make me feel any less whole or any less secure in myself and in my relationships. I've always struggled with words of affirmation specifically because I have a lot of clients that I work with, love languages aside, on internal versus external validation. And I think like external validation, I mean, we spent last episode or a couple episodes ago talking about the comparison trap. And I think like it's so important for us to have some sense of security or a strong foundation of our own validity and our own sense of self and like self-worth so that it's nice to hear it. Like I think with words of affirmation, if you're really finding yourself desperately needing or really holding on to the words of affirmation from your partner or someone in a relationship, that might indicate that there's some deeper work there to be done. Because I think the words of affirmation in the love languages can be misunderstood in that like it should be like the cherry on top. Like it should be Mm -hmm. a compliment. Like those things should be additive and really nice to hear, but it shouldn't be like the deciding factor of your worth or your value. That's where I think it becomes difficult and people might expect their partner to do more than is actually necessary because maybe there's some of your own work to do there. Yeah. I think that goes, that can be said for any of the love languages, you know, like acts of service, right? Like um, somebody with a love language of acts of service may appreciate when their partner does something like takes the trash out or makes the bed in the morning. But if it's getting to a point where like that's making or breaking your relationship and if one morning your partner doesn't take out the trash or doesn't make the bed and that like completely just triggers you, you know, throws you into a frenzy, then it's not an issue of like your love language not being respected or not being received. There's likely an underlying opportunity for some deeper healing there. Yeah. Which I think is just kind of that sums up my holdup with the love languages from the beginning is that I think it's really cool. I think it's really fun. I think it makes a cool date night opportunity. I think it helps deepen a lot of different types of relationships. And I don't want it to be used as how we set the expectation in our relationship. I just want it to be something that we have in our toolkit and we pull out and use as needed. It's educational, it's informational, but it's not a determining factor in the quality of a relationship and nor should it be used that way. Right. Right. So you being the married person in this podcast, you know, and I, you, thank you, I thank you for mentioning that your love language is gifts and that Nick's love language is different. Have you found yourself in a conversation with Nick about your love languages? And if so, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like, you know, what does that look like? I think one of the first times 
uh, one of our like early dates, I brought it up and we talked about it. I made him take the quiz online. I think I actually had to fill it out for him because he <laughs> wouldn't do it. But I think it's something that we always talk about and and not in that like we talk about it every day or that it's this important thing. But I know that my love language is gift giving. That's how I show love and that's how I receive love or it's one of the ways that I receive love from him. So I do I give him gifts? Of course. I love to give him gifts because that's makes that makes me feel good. I like to have a thoughtful gift or to pay attention when he's talking about things and put a note in my phone of a thoughtful thing that I can get him. And I know that me doing that isn't his love language. I know that he'd be happy on his birthday to have no gifts at all and rather a fun activity or an event that we can do together. So it's a combination of me doing what makes me feel good in the relationship, but knowing that that's not enough for him and then showing up in the way that he receives this love. So I know quality time and acts of service are two of his love languages. So the other day I emptied the dishwasher or I'll do little things around the house. I've been doing all the food shopping for him because I know that that matters. And he does the same where he'll show up by gift giving or giving gifts to me, but that's not what feels good to him. So he'll also do what feels good to him. Like a lot of the gifts he gives me are events or like things that we can do together. And I think that it's just figuring out the ebb and flow or the balance that, and we've, that's why we always talk about it because it helps us continue to figure out where are we at currently? How are things going? And how can we recalibrate if necessary, or like what's a good flow for us? At I this love point that. in our lives. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That was really helpful. And something that's coming to mind too, like as we begin to wrap up this episode is in these scenarios where you feel like maybe you have expressed what your love language is. Like maybe you're working with a client and they feel like they have had this conversation on what their love language is and yet they still don't feel like their partner is reciprocating that. Again, could be romantic, could be family, friends, etc. You know, like what would you recommend that conversation looks like with a partner with another person so that both parties are feeling heard and seen? It's hard. I mean, the first thing if that's something someone's coming in with, the first thing that I do is validate their feelings and acknowledge that like it is hard to be in a situation where we feel like we're pouring in more than we're receiving. And I often tell people that at any given point, we have three choices. One, we can fight forward. And what I mean by that is not like actually fight, but communicate, advocate, try to make change. And that's having conversations with your partner or just kind of like reminding them or expressing concern in a productive way. The second thing that we can do is set limits in whether that's like limiting that I'm not going to continue to pour 100% into the relationship. Maybe I have to reel in a little bit my effort and my energy so I'm not pouring in more than you're pouring in and then I'm left feeling frustrated or resentful. But then three, also, if not neither of those things work, it's that radical acceptance of acknowledging that like, okay, I don't have to like how this is, but maybe I have to do some work to find peace around my partner forever if they're unwilling, or maybe they don't have the bandwidth. Like if someone's dealing with um, grief or the loss of a job or any sort of like adjustment in life, 
they might not have the bandwidth right now. Maybe you give them a little bit of grace and then revisit that conversation once things settle down a little bit. Yeah. Three really great options there. And thank you. I think that'll be really helpful too, because I'm sure that this is a an area of conflict that comes up mm-hmm. a lot because again, like we all have such different preferences, such different perspectives and backgrounds. And like, you only know what you know, or you don't know what you don't know. And something that may not come natural to you, like it's going to take maybe repeated conversations or maybe you get to a point where there's that radical acceptance. And the last piece that I was thinking of too is like when you find yourself, if you find yourself in that point of frustration where it's like, I've been having this conversation with this person and it's just not, there's no connect there. You know, it's not making sense. I always like to think like before you even get to that place of frustration, like maybe at the very start, this would kind of be my invitation for all of our listeners is to identify what their love language is and to start giving that to themselves first. Just as we Mm -hmm. were saying from the very beginning of this episode, talking about like my past love language of words of affirmation, when I started giving that to myself first, I stopped needing that from somebody else. It doesn't mean that I don't still like, you know, look forward or appreciate it from somebody else but there's not so much weight that I'm putting into it. And I think the same thing could be with the acts of service, the gift giving, you know, the, I mean, physical touch, (laughs) give yourself a little squeeze, (laughs) a little hug every now and then, but you know what I mean? Like find the ways that you can give Mm -hmm. that to yourself and be that for yourself first before you, you know, Mm -hmm. expect somebody else to do that for you. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's such an important tool and invitation for our listeners, for ourselves, because if we are at that point where we're putting so much weight or so much expectation on our partner, I do think it's fair to ask ourselves, is this my stuff? Is it relationship stuff? Like what's the root of this need? Where is it coming from? And I say all the time, having needs doesn't mean that you're needy, but it also doesn't mean that your partner a hundred has to drop everything to meet your needs all the time. This is where it's a little, it's gray and it looks different for everybody. And there's so much to this that like we can't, nor could we get into in a single episode, but I think it opens up a lot of questions and I think it's something to sit with and, and kind of work through for yourself and in a couple or in a partner or in any relationship. Yeah. I think so too. Well, thank you, Heather, for bringing this conversation into this week's episode. Definitely think it's a a big one. And I would love to, you know, in our weekly poll, maybe ask what people's love languages are and see who comes in with what love language. And also too, like maybe we can ask that question of like, do our love languages evolve over time? Mm -hmm. Or have you experienced that evolution of your love language changing. So that will be interesting to see. And Heather, it is your turn this Mm. week to take a look at your vision board. It's actually been a while since I think you, you looked up and saw. So anything calling you today that you want to leave our audience with? I do have something on my, um, vision board here and it says, find your voice. So I feel like maybe find your love language find your voice and communicate. Like that's the reason I love this tool is because it opens that door to communicate. 
And that's all I ever want for all of the couples that I have because the answers are there. You guys just have to work together to find it. Yeah. So find your voice. Find your voice. All right. Well, another episode in the books. Thank you again, Heather. Always lovely to have these conversations with you. Yeah. Right back at you, Devin. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. We are so glad that you took the time to share this space with us. We'll be releasing new episodes of Mind Meets Body and Soul every Tuesday. So be sure to give us a follow and share this podcast with those you love. To connect with us and join our communities, head to the show notes where you'll find our contact information and individual websites. Until next week, stay grounded, keep growing, and trust that everything you seek is unfolding for you.